0: All right. Before we jump in, we have any questions from last couple weeks or this week following up? I know that we kind of left on maybe a confusing note. Uh, We'll go back and do a little bit of review this morning. But anything before we jump in? All right. You guys are the last for like. Nope, I got nothing. But lots of answers. Okay, uh, yeah, if you have questions throughout, don't hesitate for sure. So, just to review a little bit, we were talking about how in uh, Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's speaking of a future ecclesia, a future called-out group, a gathering, an assembly of people together. Uh, he's not harkening back to... Israel, even though we looked at how in the Septuagint that same word was used of Israel several times, how Israel was God's called out, set apart assembly of um, the nations, that they were unique. And in Matthew 16, Jesus pointing forward to the church and uh, the group of called out people they were to be for him. And we noted that. Jesus isn't simply teaching that there is an assembly of called out ones coming in the future, but that they are, in fact, different from the assembly of Israel. So that's important to keep in mind that there are two different groups. Um, Israel is not the church of the Old Testament, the church is not the Israel of the New Testament. There are two different groups, and we need to keep that in mind and remember that. All right, and then we briefly talked about how the church is a mystery, how it wasn't something that was understood or built in the Old Testament. We went through we looked at some passages about how God had talked about how his plan was for the nations. He said, it's, it's too small a thing for me to just rescue Israel, even though that's a, a great, marvelous thing. That wasn't the, the end game that he had in mind. He had in mind the, the salvation of the nations. Every tribe coming kind of nation would recognize him give praise and honor to the king. And I would help if I click over there so I could use my clicker. All right. Uh, normal guys, this is where we got hung up last week. The contrast is clear. The mystery of how Jew and Gentile would be joined into one body in Christ was not in the Old Testament, which revealed that the Gentiles would receive the gospel's blessings. The church did not begin until after Jesus came died, rose, and established it on an apostolic, on apostolic foundations. So um, we talk about how there is a distinction. We look at kind of God's timeline of how he was working through uh, his people. And so um, when did Israel become a nation? Where where do we go back to to kind of see the the birth, the foundation of Israel as a nation? Abraham. All right, so we see Abraham, and question for you, Walker, who became Israel? Jacob's name. All right, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Good job. You're, you're getting the hang of it. So Abraham um, slash Israel, right? And where in Scripture can we see that? Genesis. Genesis. What chapters, do recall? Twelve. 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 Right, again, Twelve. Ooh, yeah. 15, 15, see again, 17 and 22, so, yeah. and surely we're not the why I or that I sorry. Um, <laughs> you do yeah, you're definitely. doing a timeline. Yeah, timeline. Yeah. yeah. All right, so right here uh, we see, this is where <laughs> Israel <kind of iterative laughs> comes into being, right? Um, so let's go back a little bit. Who came, who do we read about before Abraham? Noah. All right, so over here is Noah. Anybody else? Adam. <laughs> Noah, Adam, all right. Anybody else in the scripture we know that is over here, pre-Abrahamic days. Seth. Welcome Seth.
1: Seth. Um, it was yeah. yeah.
0: Seth. Let's throw in, probably, maybe we'll do it in a different color, because we're pretty sure, but not absolutely sure. Joe. Joe. Good job. Yeah. All right. Joe was most likely pre-Israel, and we think that in large part because Israel isn't mentioned at all throughout the, what is it, 42 or so chapters of Job, um, we don't read about Israel whatsoever. And then we have the whole majority of the Old Testament focusing on this people of Israel, and primarily on the timeline of Christ, right? Um, so we go through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then who does the text focus on after that? Joseph, okay. Joseph. 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 <coughs> for a good chunk of Genesis, right? Yes. Um, for He gets more time than Abraham, who is mm-hmm. the father of the Hebrew nation, right? And all these other fathers that came before and these patriarchs. But mm-hmm. um, even as we're reading through Joseph's account, we need to keep in mind that Joseph isn't really the, the key person who's being focused upon. But Joseph, what did he do for the nation of Israel? It was just <coughs> important, to had be honest. He sons. He what? Had 12 sons. No. No, that was I, they, your boy Israel. Big And Joseph was one of those 12 sons. Yeah. Yeah. He was Yep. Great. See what we know. Nothing <laughs> <hard>. <laughs> <laughs> hangin Just, right. just hanging <laughs> out. Gotcha. Yes? He kept them from dying. Them from yeah, he. <laughs> yeah, God providentially used him to take them to Egypt to preserve that nation. And uh, of utmost importance, we see uh, how he preserved the, the line of Christ. Whose mm-hmm. line did Jesus come from? From those 12 sons of Jacob slash Israel. It's a yeah. lion Jude. of Judah, right? A lion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we can see and it's really a cool study to go through and see how Judah is really intricate in that whole passage, um, and how he, how we can see redemption even in, in Judah, and how he um, was preserved through what God did through through Joseph and those people. But again, throughout most of the Old Testament, we're looking and focusing on this group of Israel. Um, can I get somebody to look up Luke twenty-one twenty-four? And then, well, who's got that? he has got 1, 1, 24? I get it. All right. And then, Gary, will you grab Romans 11, 25? Remember, we read through Romans 9 through 11 a couple weeks ago, but well, we didn't, but I had to sign that as homework. Um, those are vital chapters to understanding God's work in Israel, His future plan for Israel, how Israel ties in and relates with the church. And Again, we've talked about before how there are different people within the the Christian camp, the different brothers in Christ, who will take a radically different understanding of those chapters. Those are um, key hermeneutical chapters. And people in the other class right now are going through their series on hermeneutics, how to understand and divide the text. And if you have a different understanding of Romans 9 through 11, then you're going to have radically different outcomes of under your understanding of Israel and how they were going to the church.
1: Romans what is that?
0: Right? Romans eleven twenty five. Thank you. All right. Um, wow. Oh, Andy. Yep. <laughs> we got to we'll 21, 24. Yep. Okay.
1: And they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled.
0: All right. And there we hear that phrase that we started talking about last week, the times of the Gentiles. And uh, Jerry, can you grab Romans? Prior to that, the woman's this is referring
2: to how the... Gentiles draft drafted in. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Jews has come in. All right. Fullness of the Jews and Gentiles. 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 Oh, yeah, the fullness of the Gentiles, right? Thank you. That's not even right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fullness of the
0: Gentiles, right there. Right. So we have the time of Gentiles, and the fullness of the Gentiles, and as you mentioned before in chapter eleven, we talk about how Israel was hardened. We talk about how they didn't understand the coming of the Messiah. They rejected the coming of the Messiah. Um, they have been hardened. And God really is going to use the, the nations, the Gentile people, He's going to draw them and call them to Himself so that um, He can provoke Israel really to, to jealousy. And that's a means that He's going to use to draw Israel back to Himself. We, largely because of Romans 11, believe in a future for Israel. Again, that's a distinctive that other brothers and sisters in Christ won't well, hold to, but it's something we think that scripture clearly teaches. There is a future for Israel. And so this time of the Gentiles, um, we can refer to as what? Church. The church, Church. Right? church yeah. So here we see kind of this uh, parentheses in history, if you will, for the church. And then again with uh, Romans 11, um, we can get into Revelation and again we'll do that later on as we get into ecclesiology um, and we can see this future for Israel how God still has a plan for Israel and we're going to be looking at today um, probably for most of the class, we're going to be in uh, Jeremiah and in uh, Ezekiel we're going to be looking at um, how God made these promises for Israel and they're going to be fulfilled for Israel. And so at this point, any questions on that? How the church is kind of inserted into this this timeline. All right, we also started talking about um, how just because the church is kind of interrupting God's timeline with Israel doesn't mean that Jews aren't saved today by the same means that everybody's always been saved throughout all of history. Genesis 15:6, Abraham believed God, and his faith was credited to him, his righteousness, right? And we mentioned how Gentiles were saved prior to the church. Um, It just wasn't, in large part, what was happening at that point. So, this age of Gentiles, this time of Gentiles, waiting for the fullness of the Gentiles to come, is a period of time where God is drawing these these other nations to himself as he had. called Israel to go out to be a light to the Gentiles, a light to the nations. And we'll see that here in just a moment. All right. And then... It's not working. There we go. All right. Let's move on from Mr. Geisler. Let's look at another quote. Oh, that's not going to work for me today. Here we go. Alright, so right. I think this is actually what we're talking about, right? Though there is a continuity between the redeemed of all ages, there is a discontinuity because the redeemed today are placed in the body of Christ and not in some sort of Israel. So again there's a separation. These are the redeemed of at. or are in the church age right now. Not placed into Israel. Similarly, the redeemed before Abraham's day did not belong to Israel, yet they belonged to the family of God. So, there are pre Israel redeemed and post Israel saints. So, these people over here, Adam noticed that Job, even though they weren't part of Israel, they're not part of the church, they're still saints within the kingdom of God, right? And we were talking about the kingdom and how that relates to the church and how the church is part of the kingdom, but the kingdom extends beyond the church. So, the two aren't absolutely synonymous. It's as if you have a a circle within a circle, right? Here you have the church, and then here you have the kingdom of God, or if you're Matthew, the kingdom of heaven, right? Uh, Those two we understand, or at least I understand to be the same, Matthew's kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God spoken about in the other Gospels. And then, similarly, after the church is raptured, uh, there will be other people who come to understand, they come to faith, but they will be a part of the church, right? They will still be a part of the kingdom, but this parenthesis, this church age, is for those who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to be taken up from us. As for where that reference was last week. It is is Second Thessalonians 2, 6 and 7, um, that talks about how the Holy Spirit is going to be removed. The restrainer who's restraining sin right now is going to be removed. Mm-hmm. And we understand that as the end of the church age, it will, there will be those who will come to Christ after that point. Thoughts or questions? Ellie? So. I that's my question. Okay. No worries. If it comes back. Just somebody mm-hmm. else.
2: So then they will be just considered. Church our kingdom of God,
0: yeah, they'll be they'll be part of, the kingdom than, of God, they will be redeemed,
2: redeemed um, in kingdom of God rather than church age because that will be the end of the church age.
0: But they will still be, yes, but they will still be bought with the blood of Christ. So, everybody again, as they are saved by redeemed. faith, faith alone, right? They're still uh, made right with God by the blood of Christ, even though Adam, Noah, Seth, Job, Abraham, Isaac, they didn't know the fact that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, right? First uh, Corinthians 15, the gospel, is that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. is was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And we think that's very foundational to the gospel and what it means to be saved. And they didn't know that. Um, but they were looking forward to this Messiah who they knew was going to um, be the fulfillment of the picture of all these goats and animals and rams that they were slaughtering. And he was Going to be the one who would redeem them for their sins. They're still covered by the blood of Christ. Walker. Okay, so when God made Adam and Eve, did they have to do like animal sacrifices before the fall? Why would? Because they don't have to redeem anything, right? Yeah. So so they started doing animal sacrifices afterwards. Yeah. Remember that they got scared. and They made for themselves these loin coverings of tree figs or whatever uh, leaves. And then God made them a, a real covering from animal skin. So he slaughtered the first sacrifice for them on their behalf. Um, yes. God, God <laughs> well, himself was it. the first one to make a sacrifice. Yep. Um, did I see another hand? No. Nope. Mm. All right. I'll just set this over here so <laughs> our number doesn't work for me. Yet, Israel still exists. And the promises made to them are still good. And we're actually going to go and we're going to study Jeremiah ourselves. And we're going to go back and we're going to study a little bit more than just 31. So let's turn in our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 30. Again, keeping in mind that God had already made these promises to Abraham. That was. Uh, unconditional promise, right? An unconditional covenant. We talked about the difference between conditional and unconditional, how God Himself was one who walked through the parting of those split animals while Abraham was doing what? Sleeping. Yeah, he was knocked out sleeping on the ground, right? So he wasn't up walking through those animals. He didn't take part in that covenant in the sense that he's saying that this is dependent upon me. God's saying this is dependent upon me and me alone. We referenced uh, Hebrews 6 and how God swore by himself because there was nobody greater. And he's saying, this is gonna happen because I am faithful. And so these promises that I make to you of land and what? Descendants. Yes, seed or descendants and blessing. Land, seed and blessing, the three aspects of the the covenant of God being with Abraham um, are all dependent upon God and God alone, not upon Abraham. All right, so uh, Jeremiah chapter 30, and I'll start in verse 18. It says, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will restore the fortunes of the tents of Jacob. And Jacob is who? Walker? Israel. Israel. Good job. (laughs) So whenever we read Jacob in text, we can understand it as being synonymous with Israel. So God says he will restore the fortunes of the tents of Jacob and have compassion on his dwelling places. And the city will be rebuilt on its ruins, and the palace will stand on a trifle place. From them will proceed thanksgiving, and the voice of those who celebrate. And I will multiply them, and they will not be diminished. I will also honor them, and they will not be insignificant. Their children also will be as formerly, and their congregation shall be established before me. And I will punish all their oppressors. So, real quick, it says, their children will be as formerly, their congregation shall be established before me. How was Israel formerly? Before the the Babylonian captivity. Think back to to the days of David and Solomon and all the glory that Israel had, right? They were they were doing alright. They were like the, the superpower of the day, right? People were afraid of Israel. They were trembling because they had heard about the stories of their God and his power and his majesty. Um, And Solomon's temple was beyond glorious, right? People would travel from all over. Um, They had heard about the temple. Uh, The Queen of Sheba would bring gifts and just be astounded by the wisdom of Solomon and the riches of the nation. And having heard all these great stories, she came and she was still underestimating what she saw. So they had a, a great reputation. They were doing all right. And... Uh, God says here that he will restore them. Um, Verse 21, their leader shall be one of them. and Their ruler shall come forth from their midst. And I will bring him near and he shall approach me. For who would dare to risk his life to approach me, declares the Lord. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Behold the tempest of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a sweeping tempest. I will burst on the head of the Lord. The fierce anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has performed and until he has accomplished the intent of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand this. So he's saying, I'm going to establish you. Um, I'm going to take you back to your, your former glory. And if you guys recall, uh, written through Ezra and Nehemiah, how they went back and they rebuilt the temple, they rebuilt the walls. Uh, what was the response of the people? when the temple was rebuilt. Mourning. Yeah, that was mourning, right? Particularly above, among the older generation. So the younger people are like, man, this is great. This is awesome. And they were rejoicing and clapping. They're like, We're not under bondage anymore, but we're here. We have, our, we have our own little building, right? But the old people, they remembered the glory of Solomon's Temple. They remembered what they had before. And they were mourning. They were weeping. They were like, this is not what we had before. Um, and so, as we're reading through Jeremiah, as we're reading through Ezekiel, we need to keep in mind that with prophecies like these, there are often double fulfillments. There's both a near and a far fulfillment. So, there's a sense in which this was fulfilled uh, beforehand, but still a sense in which we're looking and we're waiting for a, a full fulfillment of what this is. We see this with other prophecies uh, you think of Isaiah 7, 7 of those Christmas virgin- mm-hmm. verses, right? Um, that, behold, the virgin will be with child and will give birth mm-hmm. to a son, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And that's, uh, there was a, a near fulfillment for that. Most people think it was Isaiah's son in the next chapter that was born, how that was a, a near fulfillment. Mm-hmm. But there was really a greater, more full fulfillment in Christ, how he was the one who was Uh, the Messiah, right? The one who was to come, uh, Emmanuel, God with us. And so we see that same thing here, that there's a near fulfillment in the fact that they are going back and they're going to be reestablished in their own land. But um, it wasn't with the same glory that they had before. So there's going to be a future fulfillment here after the church where God is going to uh, turn His focus back toward Israel. I don't know if that's the right way to say that, because God is always focused on Israel. God is fully aware of Israel. But in this season of the church, that's primarily where he's working to draw people into himself. Lots of questions? Alright. Let me know. Alright, Jeremiah 31. Um, yeah, we'll just work over through it. For Verse one. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. So, going back to 24, talking about this fierce anger of the Lord that will not turn back until he has performed all that he has accomplished, the intent of his heart, in the latter days you will understand this. Um, And then, 31.1, at that time, in these latter days, when you understand this, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. So I think this is, again, pointing forward to the future, because not all of Israel has fallen under this embrace of of God, right? Particularly the Messiah, Jesus, the, the second person of God, has certainly not been embraced by the Israelite people. Verse two. Thus says the Lord: The people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Israel, when it went to find its rest, the Lord appeared to him from afar, saying, "I have loved you with what kind of love? Everlasting love. That's important, right? Mm-hmm. Therefore, I will. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Again, that should." draw our minds back to John 6 and how we are drawn to the Father. Nobody comes to Him unless we are drawn by Him. Um, same kind of operation that's going on here. That God is the one who is doing the work within us. We are just passive recipients being obedient to the calling of God. He's the one who is working within us just as He did within Israel. He has drawn them with a loving kindness. Verse 4. Again, I will build you and you will be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. Again, you will take up your your tambourines and go forth to the dances of the merrymakers. Again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The planters will plant. You will enjoy them, of course. Verse 6. And there will be a day when watchmen on the hills of Ephraim call out, Arise and let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. For thus says the Lord, Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob or Israel, and shout among the chief of the nations, proclaim, give praise, and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I am bringing them forth from the north country, and I will gather them from the remote parts of the earth. Among them, the blind and the lame, the woman and with child, and she who is in labor with child together. A great company, they will return here. With weeping they will come, and by supplication I will lead them. I will make them walk by streams of water on a straight path in which they will not stumble, for I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Uh, maybe you remember a couple weeks ago, Jerry Bowman mentioned uh, 1948 and how Israel became a nation then. Uh, I think that could be a here. Again, there was a more near fulfillment uh, prior to that, but just thinking about that and the fact that that was so revolutionary. Um, I've been looking at different hermeneutical uh, practices and people who take different approaches to scripture. And uh, those who are amillennial who don't believe in a millennium. So remember, all means without. Just like atheists um, say that there is no God. Theists say there is a God. So amillennialists don't believe that there is a, a millennium. And really that whole understanding didn't come about until after the destruction of Israel. So about 130, 135 AD, Israel was, was no more, right? There was no Israel to speak of. And so after that, people would read these understandings of Israel. And they would think, okay, well, there, there is no Israel. God said that he would establish them forever and that all these people would come back to Israel thinking okay well that was already fulfilled after the Babylonian captivity and so they had this reinterpretation of scripture where the church has now become Israel so this replacement theology of um, mixing the identities of Israel and the church came about after the fact that Israel was gone and so much in the same way that people will sometimes today interpret scripture through their newspaper, or through the news, which is a bad practice. We need to avoid that, right? Uh, That's what they were doing that day. They were saying, okay, well, here's what my Bible says. Here's what I see with my eyes. There is no Israel, so the church must be Israel. Not a good way to understand your Bible, right? Yes. So so
1: historically speaking, this is after the temple has been destroyed and after the Jewish people have been scattered. Indian that that I explore yeah. yeah, yeah, they're just all over the place. They're all over the Mediterranean, mm-hmm. and up in Europe, yep. right? Getting in Europe, okay.
0: Yeah, and Origen comes in. And he has this new understanding of scripture and how we should allegorize stuff, and how a, a spiritual understanding is superior to a, a physical understanding because there's influence by Gnostics and right. yeah, all kinds of different things that went into how that whole movement arose, but. Uh, a major part of it was that they were seeing that israel wasn't here anymore so uh, it's good to remember that israel is there and from our perspective we can see israel is still there today even after being gone for over a thousand years nobody knew that there was an israel to speak of because there wasn't one right it was controlled by uh, muslims and europeans and different people who came in and and controlled that plot of land. But now they have their own land. So we are in a very privileged position to see um, that God is absolutely faithful. Um, they should have, no, not too, but <laughs> it should be easier for us. We are even more without excuse. That 48 war was the, by the
2: hand of God. There is no way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you study that, read a little bit about it, uh-huh. And do some it research on God's a, six-day work. Nation's day. The Muslims is what he did. Just like he did prior back into the day of David and all of them. And I know the United States was first recognized them as a nation again. But it was just impossible to believe they were able to accomplish what they accomplished. Mm-hmm. And it was by God. Absolutely. Because it was... They the card was definitely stacked
0: against them time mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah as i mentioned last week if you're, if you're doubting in your, your faith yeah. look to israel that well sure. the,
1: there were multiple times when israel was saved miraculously um president nixon uh what was it it was the yom kippur war mm-hmm. 73 so is so that what it was. Anyway, they're being invaded by four different countries. They have very little in the way of arms. And uh, Golda Golda Meir had asked Nixon for help. Weapons. And uh, Nixon originally, because he had a lot of anti-Semitic people within the circle. Anyway, Nixon slept that night and he said he woke up and Remembered that his mom had said that Israel must persist, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he sent you know, 60 tanks, a whole bunch of them, mm-hmm. flew them, and and that was what it basically turned helped turn the tide. Wow. You know, I, I don't know, you know, God.
0: Yeah, God God, used, oh. God uses
1: mm-hmm. a crooked stick. Right mm-hmm. to strike a straight ball. It's a mm-hmm. stick. A crooked it's stick. Crooked stick, all oh, right, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's that, he's used me and he's and he's used Nixon, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> I'm not a crook. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty crooked, up. yeah. <laughs> all right, let's keep working through Jeremiah 31. Uh, I think I left off in 10, yeah, ish. That's what we'll pick up in verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare in the coastlands afar off, and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. So, again, we see that the nations are in view um, to look to Israel to see what God is doing for Israel. Israel is to be a, a beacon and a demonstration of the faithfulness of God to the nations. Verse 11 For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and redeemed him from the hand of him who was stronger than he. Again, we're sitting here talking about stories about how he's still doing this, even in recent generations. How cool is that? They will come and shout for joy on the height of Zion, and they will be reigning over the bounty of the Lord, over the grain and the new wine and the oil, and over the young and the flock and the herd, and their life will be like a water garden, and they will never languish again. Has that happened? Mm-hmm. Oh, probably not, right? It rolls in the news like every single day. Um, people aren't talking about that as a place that we should go and, um, and meet, right? But mm-hmm. people instead, you hear somebody going on a trip to Israel and people are like, oh, dude, be careful. Like, are you sure you want to go? It's pretty sketch over there. Um, so this line says that Israel will never languish again. Um, again, this is part of the reason we think, okay, well, this is still future, right? Again, there's a part or uh, a facet of this that was fulfilled uh, with a near fulfillment, but certainly a, a facet that we're sold for, a future fulfillment for verse 13. Then the virgin will rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old together, for I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and give them joy for their sorrow. I will fill the soul of the priest with abundance, and my people will be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentations and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She she refuses to be comforted for her children, because they are no more. Thus says the Lord: restrain your voice from weeping, and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord, and they will return from the land at the end. There is hope for a future, declares the Lord, and your children will return to their own territory. We still believe that today. There is hope for a future more Lord Israel. I have surely heard Ephraim greetings. You have chastised me, and I was chastised like an untrained calf. Bring me back, and I will that I may be restored for you are the Lord my God. For after I turned back, I repented, and after I was instructed, I smoked on my thigh. I was ashamed and also humiliated because I bore the reproach of my duty. Is Ephraim, my dear son? Is he a delightful child? Indeed, as often as I have spoken against him, I certainly still remember him. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. And again, if we understand Christology, right, that Jesus is God, he is Yahweh, then we understand that this is not taking place because Israel has rejected Yahweh right? Yahweh in the flesh. They rejected the Son. They rejected the incarnate Word of God. And they've yet to come back and repent and to admit that I was wrong. But, God says, I will remember him. I surely will have mercy on him. Um, let's jump down to point seven. It says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man, and with seed of beasts. They're going to be prosperous. I have lots of man, lots of beasts. They're going to be doing well again. As I've watched over them to pluck up, to break down, to overthrow, to destroy, to bring disaster, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. In those days, they will not say again, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth have been set on edge. But everyone will die for his own iniquity. Each man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth will be set on edge. God will, uh, he will understand the the sin of each individual person and uh, recompense upon them what they deserve. 31, this is where it's going to get real, talking about the, the new covenant. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord. Well, first, before we get there, who is he talking to in this passage? Who's in view?
2: Israel.
0: Israel, right? It's not the church. The church is still Way down the future, right? Even Jesus, when he was here, was saying, I will build my church, that hadn't yet happened. So here, Israel is in view. He said, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. What covenant is that referring to in verse 32?
1: Abraham,
0: Abraham. Uh, read it again. Not like the covenant which I made Mosaic. with their fathers, Mosaic. in the day I took them, um, out, took them up by the hand and brought them out Mosaic. of the land. Mosaic, Mosaic. 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 So the covenant, right? Mm-hmm. So, Abrahamic covenant, that was before. Remember, Moses came after Abraham. Mm-hmm. That covenant was not an unconditional covenant. That was a conditional covenant. Um, So we need to keep that in mind. So he's saying the new covenant won't be like that old covenant that I made with Moses. So he's talking about the law. Yeah. He's
1: talking specifically about the law. Yep. Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, the 613 Commandments, whatever.
0: Yep. Yeah. He placed this commandment, this covenant with them, which was dependent upon them and their obedience. Again, a conditional covenant. This covenant they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. I'm going to give a new covenant, unlike that one. Verse 33. But this covenant which I will make with the house of Israel, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor, and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Has that happened? No, again, this is written to Israel, right? Saying, I'm going to put my covenant on their heart, and they will know me. They're not going to have to teach people, each other about me, but they will know the Lord. They will have an understanding of the Lord. This is still future. Verse thirty-five. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day. He's still doing that, right? <laughs> so this next section is going to talk about the faithfulness of God. He's going to tie the the faithfulness of this covenant, this new covenant, which he's going to make, to his upholding of creation. Right? That everything is being held together by him. So he's the one who gives sun for light by day, and. The fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from me, from before me, declares the Lord, then the offspring of Israel also will cease from being a nation before me forever. So again, even after 130, before 1948, people should be able to look back at this verse and be like, okay, well, this nation of Israel is a nation before the Lord. Even though we can't see them, even though we don't understand this, the the oceans are still moving, right? We still see the waves. The stars are still shining. The sun is still giving us light by day. So Israel is still a nation, and we could put our hope in that. Verse 37, Thus says the Lord, if the heavens above can be measured and the foundation of the earth searched out below which in my Bible I have 3% written there because that's about how much of the the ocean depths we've explored so far. Mm -hmm. Um, So if those things can happen, then I also will cast off all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. So in other words, it's not gonna happen, right? God is faithful. Verse 38, behold, days are coming, future, declares the Lord, when the city will be rebuilt for the Lord from the Tower of Panael to the corner gate the measuring line will go out farther straight ahead of the hill and it will turn to go at the whole valley of the dead bodies of the ashes and all the fields as far as the brook Kidron to the corner of the horse gate toward the east shall be holy to the Lord. It will not be plucked up or overthrown any more. What's the last word? Forever. Right? So that hasn't happened yet. So even if at some point a lot of these areas aren't sure where they're at we can point them map and say well it goes to you know this latitude this longitude or whatever but we know that they haven't been possessed forever right because Israel again they were dispossessed for hundreds of years so it will be theirs forever we understand that to be still future so that whole that's a great chapter chapter 31 talking about the new covenant and there are certainly aspects of it that apply to us, but not just by reading Jeremiah. We don't get that information until the New Covenant, until chapters like Romans 11, where we are grafted into the promises of Israel. Um, but we need to understand that prophecy is originally being made to Israel. And if we don't grasp that, and we're not going to have again a full understanding of what to look for for Israel, or really of. The faithfulness of God. All this ties back to the character, to the nature of God that he made a promise to his people, to his chosen nation Israel and he is going to fulfill that promise. Uh, Christ was the origin of the new covenant.
2: And so, but we're still waiting for his part to be fulfilled in that. Or we not. Christ was the what? Wasn't he the origin of the new covenant? With Israel? Uh,
0: or is it yes, the origin that, of the covenant with Gentiles? Or is it both? It's, it's both, but we, we haven't got there yet, but yes. Um, so that covenant was originally established, um, yes, by, by Christ, because Christ is Yahweh, right? But it's established here in Jeremiah 31 saying, this is what I'm going to do. And then, yeah, at, at the incarnation of Christ, at his death, burial, and resurrection, Um, Israel failed to see that God had had made a way for that new covenant, that Jesus had established that new covenant. Um, So it was originally for them. They will be a part of it. They are, again, Romans 11, they are that that tree, the olive tree. And you and I as Gentiles, we are just grafted in. But it goes on Mm -hmm. in Romans 11, that says how much easier for those natural branches to be grafted in as well. And so that's when we come full circle up here, um, again, Romans 11, that Israel will come back and they will be saved. Um, they will recognize their Messiah as king. Ephraim will repent, like we read back in uh, that last chapter. All right, um, let's see if we can briefly look at Ezekiel. Let's turn to Ezekiel 36. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ezekiel 36, 1 through 11. Yeah, <laughs> bridge is not the right word for sure. <laughs> All right, and you, son of man, prophesy to the mountains of Israel and say, so he's talking about mountains, so, Oh, mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because the enemy has spoken against you, aha, and the everlasting heights have become our possession. Therefore, prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord God, for good reason, they have made you desolate and crushed you from every side, that you would become a possession of the rest of the nations, and you have been taken up in the talk and the whispers of the people. Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God, to the mountains and to the hills, to the ravines and to the valleys, to the desolate wastes and the forsaken cities, which have become a prey and a derision, of the rest of the nation which are round about. Therefore, thus says the Lord God Surely, if the fire of my jealousy, in the fire of my jealousy, I have spoken against the rest of the nations and against all Edom who appropriated my land for themselves as a possession with wholehearted joy and with scorn and soul to drive it out for a prey. Therefore, prophesy concerning the land of Israel and say to the mountains and to the hills. To the ravines and to the valleys. Thus says the Lord, behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and in my wrath, because you have endured the insults of the nations. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I have sworn that surely the nations which are around you will themselves endure their insults. But you, O mountains of Israel, you will put forth your branches and bear your fruit for my people Israel, for they will soon come. For behold, I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you will be cultivated and sown. I will multiply men on you, all the house of Israel, all of it. And the cities will be inhabited, and the waste places will be rebuilt. I will multiply you, men and beast, and you will increase and be fruitful, and I will cause you to be inhabited as you were formerly, and will treat you better than at first. Thus you will know that I am the Lord. Again, better than at the first, better than he did with David, with Solomon. Um, He's going to cultivate them with man and beast. He's going to sow, like he said back in uh, Jeremiah, the seed of uh, Jerusalem, not Jerusalem, of Israel and Judah, man and beast, that they're all going to be prosperous and doing well, right? Again, speaking to Israel and the restoration we're to look for in Israel. Jumping down to verse 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you went. So again, not because of Israel, but because of his holy name. God made a promise, he's going to fulfill it. Mm -hmm. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. For I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean, and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I give to your forefathers, so you will be my people, and I will be your God. Again, we have to understand, this is God speaking to Israel, to that nation that he made a promise to, and this has not been fulfilled. Israel is a hard-hearted nation, a hard-hearted people as a whole, Though so there are still individual Jews who come to and understand they are still a, a people with hearts of stone, a people that have not been given this heart of flesh. And I think that's where we'll wrap up. We'll dip into Ezekiel 37 a little bit next week, and then we'll tie it to the New Testament. We'll see how this new covenant is reiterated in Hebrews 8, and how Jesus is the fulfillment of all these things um, and you and I, as Gentiles, are grafted in to this covenant that God made with Israel. Any thoughts or questions to we brought up? Next? Yes. <laughs> I just one comment. I, I, I still have questions about whether, uh, you know, if I look on the
2: um, uh, you know, Bible maps and everything, and I see uh, what uh, God promised to Israel for their land, and I see that even after 48. It's a much
0: smaller territory. I
2: mean yeah. where is there anything uh, or what is your thinking on whether uh, uh, whether Israel will actually have the land that God promised to them, the entire land. I mean there are parts of it now that are in Jordan and and uh, other countries still have light of yeah. some of the things that we read today what's your
0: thought on this? Oh, I think they'll absolutely possess all of it for sure and again I think that's tied back to the character and the nature of God I think if they possess anything less and God is less than what he said he was if he promised to give it to them then they're going to get it even if from our perspective it looks entirely impossible like how is Israel going to possess this line that Iraq and Jordan and uh, these other nations Egypt possess? Yeah, like we look at that and we think well we're, we're trying to understand if they are even called Israel there are people who just don't refer to them as Israel people within our own nation within our own government who scratch them off their map and say this is Palestine not Israel right and so to have that understanding that they will actually possess that seems pretty radical to us but we have a, a radically amazing God who's going to fulfill what he declared anything else? Israel as a nation
2: uh, still has a ways to go because basically their government right now is not this. It's it's a secular government. Yeah. And so I think when we're talking about Israel, you have to take there's a group of faithful people and there's, then there's the secular government mm-hmm.
1: and you have to kind of digest all that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a a movement within Christianity that wants to get behind and support everything Israel does because we can see from Scripture that Israel is important to God. And God blessed Israel, and he's going to bless those who bless Israel. And so we want to say, yes, Israel, Israel, Israel. Um, But you're right, they're they're secular, and there are things that they're doing that we should not, as Christians, approve of. Um, But what we do is we recognize that there is a future for Israel that... Um, they are going to be a nation who's going to possess even more than they possess right now. And that's tied back to the faithfulness and character of God. All right. And can you pray for us? Yep.
1: Lord God, thank you so much for uh, giving us the opportunity to come together and to look at your word. Lord, we know that um, every promise that you've made Uh, both to Israel and to us, will come about because it's based in your character. There is no higher standard nor higher level to which um, we can appeal than your character. Father, I ask that you bless us this day, that um, you uh, open our hearts and our minds to your word, and uh, that you bless our fellowship with each other. It's in Christ's holy name we pray these things, amen.